Welcome into Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we discuss questions or topics that are related to Christianity, but that you may not hear explained in a sermon. And in this episode, we're going to answer the question of why do we need the Old Testament? So uh, if everything we need to know about Jesus has been revealed to us through the New Testament, why do we need the Old Testament, especially when there are so many things within it that are troubling or challenging or difficult to get around? And so it's an interesting topic that we're going to discuss today. Welcome in. This is Church Unplugged. All right, welcome into uh, Church Unplugged. I've got uh, Todd Ionetta, Joe Coffey, and Zach Wyrock here with me uh, today. And I'm Jimmy Cozy, student ministry pastor here at CCC. Uh, hello, guys. How you doing? Everybody good? Okay. Good. Yeah. Great. All right. So our question today is uh, sort of an interesting one, one that I've thought about at times, but uh, the question is this, why do we need the Old Testament? And here's what I mean by that. You know, we have so much information about who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and it's all explained really clearly in the New Testament. And at the same time, there are things in the Old Testament uh, that can be really hard to wrap our minds around or understand, or it just seems like following Jesus and and believing in what the Bible says would be easier if we just didn't have to deal with those things. So why do we need it? Or maybe the first question is, do we need it? If so, why? And then maybe we can land at a place of saying, as a follower of Jesus, here are some tips for how to read the Old Testament and how to incorporate it into our relationship with Jesus. So there's our starting point. Let's hear it. What do you guys have to say? Well, ultimately, the the Bible is uh, one cohesive story, including the Old and New Testament. So, and the story is about the gospel, So, which obviously culminates in Christ, which is the redemption part of the story. But you can't have the gospel without understanding, first of all, your sin. You can't understand your sin unless you, first of all, understand that you were created and designed to be uh, completely connected in perfect relationship with the God who made you. So the gospel doesn't start with redemption. The gospel starts with creation, and I think that's that's where I would start. And then you mentioned uh, Jesus, which is our primary character, and uh, he talked an awful lot about the Old Testament, and he had a certain belief about the Old Testament. My understanding would be is if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we should probably mirror uh, his understanding and his belief in the Old Testament. But there's a ton in there. And I, I would start where Todd says, you, you go to Genesis, There's uh, there are a lot of treasures in the Old Testament. And it's true, there are some, some parts of the Old Testament that are difficult to understand and uh, maybe difficult uh, when you're trying to explain the gospel to somebody and they know just enough about the Old Testament to bring up the most troublesome passages. But the Old Testament as a whole, I think, uh, is a treasure trove for us. Uh, not the least of which, I'll, I'll go a different thing. It would be the Psalms uh, are where you can learn how to pray, much more so than the New Testament. The New Testament has some great prayers in it, but not the kind of prayers that you find in the uh, in the Psalter. I mean, they... Uh, you take those away, you have lost a ton. So, yeah, I think this question, you know, when someone says, Do I need the Old Testament? Do I have to believe the Old Testament? I think that question is born out of two misconceptions. One is actually brought on by the names Old and New 
Testament, which are themselves not inspired. <laughs> so it wasn't like original authors said, oh, we'll call this one the old and this one call the new. And those are pejorative terms because if given the choice between an Old Testament or a New Testament, you're going to opt for a New Testament. So <laughs> better and improved Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's better to think of it as like Act 1 and Act 2, right? Just uh, kind of everything leading up to Jesus and then Jesus and and post-resurrection. You know, I think about it like in terms of Star Wars, uh, how uh, all of Star Wars is about at this point is, is kind of centers around the character of Luke Skywalker. In the original three movies, you have kind of the story of Luke's life and exploits, and then in the first, the, the next three, they actually were the first three, uh, give you like everything that led up to that. Those movies made f- episodes four, five, and six make all the more sense. It made certain things feel weightier. It, well, of course, because you had the backstory. You knew where Luke came from. You knew you knew of his relationship with his father or lack thereof that, that eventually gets picked back up in episode uh, six. So... You know, I think that that mindset of old and new is not helpful. It's much better to think of it in terms of kind of Act One and Act Two. I Zach, you know way too much about Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, you went all the way to, to to the sixth movie, right? Then, nice. Well, the sixth movie is the third movie, technically. But uh, I'm really you know, confused. I'm that, so lost. I know. I know. <laughs> that podcast uh, comes out later. Uh, the second thing is that people think in these hard categories. So, what typically happens is people say things like, "Well, the God of the New Testament is a God of grace." And the God of Old Testament is a God of judgment or law. And just to be frank, those are ill-informed and not true. So, for example, take the book of Jonah, where Jonah, who's an ethnocentrist, who doesn't want the nations to come to faith in the the gospel, actually gets a a lecture from God himself about grace at the end of the book and why God should extend grace to Nineveh. I mean, that... That whole book is about grace, and that's in the Old Testament. So, And even God will tell Israel, what was it about you that made me pick you? You weren't the best. You weren't the brightest. It was just my gracious love for you. So I think somewhat it's, it's that old and new pejorative terms, and then some of it's just this mindset of the Old Testament is monolithic in its, ex- its expression of God, and the New Testament is monolithic and just positive. So I think just fighting against that and saying, actually, grace is in both, judgment's in both. I mean, it's the same God being represented in, in both the Old and New Testament. so I think it helps me when I'm reading the Old Testament to have the New Testament in mind. Like, uh, you know, I always try to get a head start on the year because I always read through the Bible in a year. And right now um, I'm in numbers. So I've, I've, yeah, I've waded my way through uh, Leviticus. But part of the thing that uh, hit me this year, maybe more than any other, is just the holiness of God, the, the whole idea is that from the very beginning, you approach God on God's terms, not on your own terms. There is a setup uh, from the very beginning uh, that we are absolutely, um, we have an, an, just an absolute inability to fix ourselves. And that happens over and over in the Old Testament, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, if if we went right to the New Testament, to me, um, I mean, a lot of people go, well, you know, if I just knew the rules... I, I could have done okay, and um, I just find the Old Testament shows me more of what's in my heart and then uh, kind of who God is and his holiness and why the cross ends up being so precious. And if I don't have the Old Testament 
then I don't know if I would value the cross as much. And I think the New Testament presupposes that. I mean, you think about like the Gospel of Matthew, which begins with the genealogy of Jesus, which right. is Matthew saying, hey, everything you just read. I always say that genealogy in Matthew is a little bit like when you're watching a binge watching a show and they say previously on, you know, fill right. in the blank show that Matthew's saying, hey, this is the story you know. Now we're picking it up here or the, the book of Hebrews, which is entirely about how the Gospel of Jesus replaces kind of the cultic apparatus of Judaism. So, I mean, much of the New Testament is presupposing a working knowledge of the Old Testament. I don't think that means without a you know a degree in Old Testament theology, you can't make sense of the New Testament, but I do think it means the original authors of the New Testament saw the two as inseparably linked. And, and again, we don't know more about the Bible than they did, uh, and they, they saw it that way. Yeah, one of the things we do too with our kids is we teach them the Old Testament stories, and it oftentimes sounds like they're heroes, you know, these are all guys who are and ladies who are heroes of the faith. But it really, I, I resonate with what you guys are saying because really the Bible isn't about heroes. It's about broken people who are in desperate need of a Savior. And so everything in the Old Testament is pointing forward to Christ. And you've got, you've got these guys who are more messed up than you could ever think. So to... You can relate with the Old Testament more than people think you can relate the Old Testament. Yeah, and I think piggybacking on that, I think to me the Old Testament, one of the most powerful things that is true of it is it it gives me through across centuries a track record of God, right? So it's like whether that is to like use what you were talking about, the heroes, saying that God can use people like Moses or David or Samson who have strengths but also have pretty massive weaknesses, and therefore I know he can use me, that God makes promises and keeps them, therefore I know he can. I mean, the New Testament is this idea that God made this gigantic promise that if we trust Jesus just in faith on the basis of grace in his life and death and resurrection, we will spend eternity with God. That is a huge promise. Yeah. And the only way I can believe that promise is if the one making it has a track record of making and keeping promises. And the Old Testament is doing that. It's showing me time and time again that whatever God says he's going to do, he does. So that when I get to the New Testament and God kind of turns and looks at me in the eyes and says, here's the promise I'm making to you. And everything in me says it's too good to be true. There's no way I could believe that. There's no, I have centuries of evidence that the one saying it, it makes good on his promises. And I think that that is really important for me. So almost so that like the gospel is the tip of the iceberg and it's great, it's what I need, but there's a mountain of evidence that it can be trusted underneath. And that mountain of evidence is the Old Testament. It's hard to also understand, I think, the sacrificial, the, the sacrifice of Christ apart from the Old Testament sacrificial system. Because you can't, you have to understand when Hebrews talks about, you know, the priests would offer uh, every single year this sacrifice and it wouldn't, it wouldn't last. But Christ is the sacrifice one time for all time. You can't understand that fully without understanding Old Testament. Yeah, and I think there, there's other stuff you can't understand as well. I think of the book of Revelation and how things are going to end. Uh, in Genesis, it tells us at the very beginning that all of creation was good. All that we long for, all that we have this sense inside of us, the way things ought to be, they were at one time. It is paradise lost, right? As Milton would say. So uh, the whole movement, the whole longing of the human soul is to get back there and it you wouldn't know where you're going in the New Testament if Genesis didn't explain this is the way it started. This is what happened to break the world. 
this is where we, the malaise we are in right now, and this is the way out. Yeah, and I just think uh, for a lot of people, the Old Testament is intimidating because parts of it, Joe, as you alluded to with Leviticus or, or Numbers, parts of it are not easy reading. Parts of it are poetry. Uh, some of it is is very steeped in culture and history and, and, and doesn't make as much sense to us uh, on the surface as maybe parts of the New Testament. But I think the encouragement is just not to let intimidation uh, form your theology <laughs> so that I don't, the Old Testament is hard to understand, therefore I don't need to understand it. And I think even more so, uh, how many things get repeated about the Bible that come from secular sources that are really uninformed about the Bible. So again, I mentioned one earlier, like, well, the Old Testament doesn't have any grace in it. That, that's just, I mean, frankly, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, right down to the beginning when Adam and Eve eat from the tree and God told them they were going to die and God doesn't drop them dead right then and there. That's called grace, right? So, right. you know, so, or you have God saying, I'm going to send someone to put the world back together. And so if you struggle with the Old Testament, I have a really practical uh, uh, advice for you. Go buy a book. You can get it on Amazon called The Jesus Storybook Bible. It's by uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's a children's book. I use it with my kids all the time for devotions. And in that, she has a tagline. She says, every story whispers Jesus' name. And she'll walk you through the major stories of the Bible, and she'll connect each and every one to Jesus. And it's actually one of the most helpful resources I've ever come across for showing someone how to read the whole Bible in such a way that it leads you to to Jesus. And I I think what you can see is that uh, she's hitting on something that is really, you're capable of doing it if if you just put forth the average children's book, beautiful illustrations, your kids will love it, you'll love it. Uh, And and it will, I think, really help you frame out uh, how to do this. So... um... I think, you know, when it comes to some of the stories that are in the Old Testament, it's really, you know, there are pretty, after a little bit of digging, you can see the pathways to Jesus. But uh, how would you respond to me if I'm a person who's sitting here kind of objecting to different parts of the Old Testament or even the way that in my perception the church applies the Old Testament? So here's what I mean by that. You know, we've mentioned Leviticus, Numbers, some of the books of the law, and I've I've been there in my reading plan too, and there are things like... It says you're not supposed to wear clothing that has two different kinds of material, or you're not supposed to eat shellfish, or it gives it gives stipulations for how you're supposed to sell your virgin daughters into slavery. And so I could see myself very easily, if I were skeptical, looking at those passages and saying, okay, number one, those are backward and and really just... I don't understand them. And then number two, I don't see them... How, why are they not applied? Why are they not adhered to... Why does it seem like there's this part of the Old Testament that that and some of the other parts where you know civilizations are wiped out, that kind of thing? Why does it seem like there are things that are just kind of swept under the rug? Yeah, I, I think I would say this: it's really important to let the Bible interpret the Bible. Okay, so if you jump into the Bible in any one section and you pull something out, it's really hard to make sense of it. Here's a great analogy: let's say you're watching a movie, and in the movie there's a good guy, bad guy, and and a and a girl love triangle. Okay, and your friend comes in halfway through the movie, and the bad guy kisses the girl. And your friend says, oh, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Look at them. They're falling in love. You've seen the movie. You know that's the bad guy. And you say to your friend, no, what are you talking about? No, he's terrible. She doesn't want to end up with him. The difference is you're seeing the same thing, but one of you knows the whole movie, right, where everything that's come before, everything that's going to come after, and is able to make an interpretation of that scene that you can't make without context. The same is the same holds true 
uh, for the Bible and to say this. Like, for example, the the relationship that God forms, maybe the mo- most important relationship that God forms in the Old Testament is with a man named Abram who becomes Abraham, who receives a promise that through his family, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. That promise comes without any law. There's no reference to what to do with your daughters. There's no reference to blended fibers. There's no God's relationship with that man and his descendants is based entirely on God's grace and God's promises. It's a beautiful relationship. It's a picture of God we all like. So we know right off that the most fundamental thing about the Old Testament is not whether or not I can wear polyester, right? It's whether or not I trust the promise of God. That context is helpful. But even as we think about the law, it's important to understand that, again, if you read the Old Testament, as Paul will say in the book of Galatians, that the law, the purpose of it is to serve as a tutor to get me to Jesus. That when we say, I think good people go to heaven, which is a really important, I mean, really relevant cultural thing that a lot of people think, uh, that actually the Old Testament is designed to defeat that. To say, if you want to be good enough to get to heaven, okay, great. Here are God's thoughts on everything. What you wear, what you eat, where you go. And the purpose is not that polyester is inherently sinful or that in the kingdom no one will wear it. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But... That's not the no, purpose. No, no yeah, one's wearing polyester. Only cotton. you wear polyester, yeah. Zach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice little pantsuit I have on right now. Uh, but you, the purpose of that is saying that if God began to, to truly weigh in on every area of our life, what we would find is our, we would push back against him in everything. And that's what you see in the Old Testament. And so the whole point of the Old Testament is that we're not going to earn our way in. We need a different way. And that, and here comes Jesus. So again, to say, well, the Old Testament says you can't eat shellfish. Well, it does, but knowing why it says that is really instructive for making sense of it. Just like knowing how the movie ends is really helpful for making sense of that particular scene. That's a good answer. <laughs> that is a good answer. Yeah. yeah we- I had another question. Hashtag. Uh, another, uh, 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 Zach gave one resource. Another good resource that I would recommend to people is Philip Yancey's book, The Bible Jesus Read. Uh, Philip Yancey is, I think, a really good writer and good author. And, of course, uh, the Bible that Jesus read was Act 1, was the Old Testament. And so uh, Philip Yancey gives basically what Zach just said. He gives kind of the t- context and the overall scheme of things and then kind of uh, shows how Jesus used the Old, the Old Testament and what it meant to him. It's good. I think one of the things I love most about Christianity is that it's very old right? We didn't make it up yesterday. And so I think sometimes for Christians to just understand these questions that you're asking about the Old Testament, like Christians have asked them, right? And so whether it's like Philip Yancey writing a great book about it, which would be super helpful for you, or whether it's looking at what some of the church fathers understood and how they handled the Old Testament, uh, is again, again, I just think sometimes personal ignorance creates bad theology whenever uh, we can lean on the thinking other people have done in these areas. So uh, I think when it comes to the Old Testament, one of the things that um, we might have a tendency to do is because it is so at times challenging and thick and difficult to understand, and there's a lot more probably work involved in pulling out spiritual principles, we may just ignore it or really shy away from it when it comes to studying or uh, interacting with it in hopes to interact with God. And so what would you say in terms of advice for for me, if I'm saying, okay, I want to start to experience God and hear from him through the Old Testament, how do I do it? Where should I go first? What kind of things should I read? What kind of things should I think? How should I approach that? One of the things I would recommend is to, especially if you're going through the Old Testament for the first time, is to find a reading plan. You can do that on version, the Version app, 
But find a reading plan that actually couples Old Testament yes. passages with New Testament That's passages. So don't read from start to finish. I just don't. Don't do I, what Joe's doing. <laughs> don't do what Joe's doing. It's the worst. It's not his first time around the block, but um, but I think if it's your first time, you need to. You need to do both because then you can see yep. it in light of the that's New great Testament. Advice. Yeah, I, that's great advice. I think uh, I think the other thing I would say is read with different speeds. I, I really do think some books of the Bible are meant to be understood as a whole. You know, like I think Leviticus is a good example. I mean, I think if you want to nerd out and get down in the nitty gritty of individual laws, you can. I think the, you already nerded out with the Star Wars stuff, so I think we're good <laughs> touché, on that. Touché. Uh, I think. The bigger thing in Leviticus is that macro level view that Joe was hitting on about like if you want to come to God, it's on God's terms, right? And just that sense of the fear and reverence and and holiness of God. And so it may be best to read Leviticus in one sitting. Just sit down and, and get through it and, and say, what am I taking away from this book as a whole? And, and I think, you know, sometimes we read the Bible at one speed. Where I'm going to do a chapter a day. And I just think some books of the Bible are just not best understood uh, that way, at least not your first run through. So one encouragement would be if you find yourself struggling through uh, a chapter at a time, maybe read the whole book and just kind of push back and say, what, what did, what's my big takeaway uh, from this book as a whole? Uh, one, one last question maybe to finish with, but for you personally, what would your, what's your favorite part of the Old Testament, whether it's a particular narrative, a particular section, a particular book? Wow. Uh, I like a lot of the Old Testament. But I like Genesis. Um, I love the Psalms. Uh, probably those, I would go with those two. Let's go Genesis and the Psalms. I actually relate with the book of Judges because <laughs> Judges is all about this cycle, you know, where they put Judges in place because they think it's going to... It's going to help people to to come back and obey God, and, and it does help them for it, a little bit. It does, right? Yeah. That's but why then, it's a cycle. Yeah, but then they go back. It's just, it's just. I get that as a human being, as somebody who struggles with sin. There's, there's that kind of cycle in all of our lives. But to know that Christ has broken that cycle once, one time for all, it's good. Is yeah. amazing. I think for me, it's this altar. I mean, I think as Joe alluded to, I, I uh, preaching through the Psalms has been. I think, a great joy of mine, in part because I think how much you see that God loves us in that he provides us songs uh, that that are very tough and, ch- I mean, like, deal with real things. I mean, that you have a... I, mean, just, I just think about... Think about if the Bible were just like propaganda, where God was just saying, I want you to know how great I am, you wouldn't put a song in there that says, how long... How long, God, will you forsake me? Right. How long will you forget me? But the Bible isn't propaganda. It's it's written by a real God for real people in a real world. And, and I just love that God would say, hey, sometimes you're going to get to this point where you're going to wonder where I am. And uh, you know, I just read Psalm 44 last week, and there's no resolution in it. It's just like, hey, God, you're letting us get destroyed by our enemies. You're, you're, you've abandoned us. You know, Where are you? And there's not even at the end like, of course, I know I can trust you. I'm sorry for saying this. There's not any of that. It's just like, this is where I'm at. And I just, I can't help but see that God is saying, hey, Zach, sometimes you're going to be there. And like, that's that's okay. It's not okay in the sense that everything you're saying is theologically right or accurate, or but it's okay in the sense that I, by putting this in the Bible, I'm telling you my affection for you is not tied to you know, you're, you're being impervious to despair, or impervious to difficulty. And I, I just think the heart of God really comes through in, in this altar in a really encouraging way. And I would tell you, too, that the more you get familiar with the Old Testament, 
uh, the more you will enjoy it. Because it's, you know, I'll go back back to Zach's illustration of Star Wars. I mean, if you watch your favorite movies, <laughs> there's something about you uh, about uh, loving even what's going to happen. It makes you enjoy more of what you're watching right then. Um, so for me, uh, I love uh, like the Book of Job. Uh, now I really like uh, because mostly because of Yancey's book helped me understand it better. But I. Uh, uh, I enjoy uh, the vast majority of the Old Testament. Now, it's not to say I don't have question marks in the margins of my Bible at different places and just say, I don't get this. I don't understand this. And then I go back to uh, what I do understand and what I also uh, trust in the promises of the overarching mega theme of the Bible and who God is. Yeah, and I think I think that's really well said. And I also think the more you read the Old Testament, the more you'll appreciate the New Testament. The more right. you'll just have in sense the scope. I mean, again, if I can nerd out a different direction, uh, I think of Lord of the Rings. Like if you know the story of Lord of the Rings, you know that one of the most beautiful things in the whole story is the friendship between Samwise, right, and Frodo. And I, I just think that there are different parts along the story where you, you get a different glimpse of that, whether it's in the very beginning when Frodo's setting out and Sam is going to go with him and Frodo's like, don't go, and he just, you know, he won't give up. And you know because you know how it ends – you know what that's going to cost him, right? Right, and so you're watching the scene, but you have in mind like there's everything. Almost a greater that, sense, of yeah. Beauty and then when there, it gets to the known. point right. where it costs right. him, right? When they're in Mordor, and you think, "I am richer." This scene is richer because I've seen everything that they've gone through, right? And again, I just think uh, I get goosebumps thinking about it, and just saying that like that's the Old Testament. When when you get to the cross, when you get to resurrection, when you get to new heavens and new earth. You you are richer. Your understanding of those things is richer for knowing all the ground that's been covered uh, in in the Old Testament. I'm, one of the beautiful, most beautiful pictures of this is in Luke with a guy named Simeon who's been reading the Old Testament. He's been asking God, uh, I know you're going to send the Messiah, and can I just stay alive long enough to see him? And Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, and Simeon holds Jesus, you know, baby Jesus, and he says, uh, now I can die. And, I, and, and he says, because I've seen, you know, your, your salvation. And all he had was the Old Testament. He never gets to see the cross. The Old never Testament gets to, and a baby. And yeah, a baby. Right, but yeah. it was enough. Right. Because, and, and that's what I mean is like what Simeon had was centuries of God's proving that he keeps his promises and baby Jesus. And it was enough. You know, and that's how rich the Old Testament is. And so for us, we have the benefit of the, the inverse the of that of the story, yeah. as right. well as yeah. when we... Now go back and wade through the Old yeah. Testament, and some of the passages are tougher, the, tougher than others. We have the the beauty of knowing the way that this story ends, and mm-hmm. so that when you're in the despair of yeah. the Book of Job or any of the other parts of the Old you Testament, know, you don't have to be swallowed up by it, right? Right? Because right? right. yeah, and I just think if you're spiritually stagnating right now, and you've never dove into the Old Testament, that it may seem counterintuitive, but it might just be that the way to shake out of that stagnation is to spend some time in Act One and thus increase your appreciation for Act 2. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, and one of the things we want to continue to do is make the connection between our faith in Jesus and our everyday lives. So if you have a question or topic that you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. And if you want more information about Christ Community Chapel, our church, you can go to our website, which is www.ccchapel.com. Thanks for listening.